It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Atlanta football party where we're talking Georgia. Rolled into Rocky Top, rolled out with a big 38 to 10 win over Tennessee. And my guys, Brent Rollins and Jarvis Davis will tell you why the offense was on one. Because one guy is going to be the guy we see not just on Saturday, but probably on Sunday. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Football Party. Only on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Atlanta Football Party, your home for the best Georgia Bulldogs football talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste. Joining me are Jarvis Davis and Brent Rollins. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Go to prizepix.com slash college and use college. That code will get you a first deposit match up to $100. Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. The Atlanta Football Party is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, it is time to get the party started. And we got another party to start because Georgia rolled into Rocky Top and rolled out with a 38 to 10 win over Tennessee last Saturday. We'll, of course, go between the hedges and tell you what's next up in a few. But first, let's get your takeaways. Brent, right off the bat, you said the offense was on one. And really, if you look at the dogs, they've absolutely dominated in running the gauntlet the last four games. Yeah, four-game stretch, that probably the toughest regular season stretch, at least in a row, of games that you've seen in the Kirby Smart era, 163 to 68, about an average of 40 to 16 in terms of uh, those games. So I'd, I'd say they took care of business there, obviously, Tech still and in, in the NCC championship game. But outside of that, it's you've wondered, even back to you know Jake Fromm and then Stetson, what would Georgia's offense look like with a first-round talent at quarterback? Well, we get to – we're watching it right now. Yeah. That's a great call because it's interesting. We're always talking about the dogs' domination on defense, right? But it's really been a treat in a different way because, like you've said, I think it was our last show, and if not the last show, Brent, the show before that, it's actually been a treat that we're talking about a Georgia offense that could have two top 20 or, say, even top 10 picks in the NFL draft, whereas normally we're talking about this being a team that's going to dominate the first round or if not the first couple of rounds with their defensive players. This is kind of cool because as we know, the NFL right now is all about offense because all the conversation even last night was about the offense you didn't see. So yeah, I think it's pretty cool that we're actually having a conversation about a four game stretch and all of this time that you've been covering this Georgia Bulldogs program and you are actually talking about offense, which is pretty darn cool. And that month, by the way, that number now, and I think Jarvis is going to speak to this, that month, number for top 20 picks, offensive side of the ball, it might not be three. I like just it. Two. I like it. I like it. And listen, Brent, you talk about the fact that if you're going from two to three and, and you have three in that conversation, what a perfect time to be having that kind of conversation that your offense is evolving into one where you literally have scouts saying, hey, we might actually be able to pull off three in that first round. And one of those three, Jarvis, is Carson Beck. You said you like what you see. And you think that he might just be playing on Sunday. Ain't no Mike. Yeah, he's he punched <laughs> his ticket because when you think about like losing a guy like Lad McConkey and you losing Ra Ra Thomas early, you losing one of your guard, your, one of your office guards and Tate Ratledge late in the first quarters, those are some of the things that you say, okay, 
quarterback might have a task on his hand today. But, you know, Carson Beck just goes about, okay, we can use Dylan Bell. I find him. Uh, um, Marcus Roseman Jack Saint, yeah, we can find him too. He can get, get in the end zone as well. It's just so easy. It just looks so easy for him because, you know, with Tennessee, you know, obviously they jumped out to, you know, the, the, uh, the quick score on the first play of the game. And, you know, and the defense were able to make, make the doggone adjustments and just make them look like – like who they are and what they deserve to be, you know, when you're playing against the, the number one team in America. So, but I, I think on the offensive side of the football, it's just whatever Tennessee threw at them. It was like whether they tried to zone them up, it was just like, nope, we can find a, we can find that window, and I'm gonna find my tight end right there over the middle. Or if they playing man coverage, it's just like I'm gonna make the right throw. I'm gonna make I'm gonna put the ball exactly where it needs to be. So my my wide receiver, regardless of who it is, regardless of if it's if it's a, if it's a a guy on the other end of that catching that ball is going to the NFL. He's he's going. I'm gonna put it and make him better, right? Because like you got the name guys in Lab McConkey and Rob Thomas that were out, but he still was able to get those guys involved in offense, spread the football around, and just it looked easy for him. And now, granted, now the offensive line made it made it very easy for him as well because when you have a guy like Tate Rattlers go down, and then you just move Dylan Fairchild over to right guard and you bring in Michael Morris, it just seemed like you just didn't miss a beat. So for him to be able to, you know, move throw, move the ball around and, and, and just whatever the defense is throwing at him, he's able to find the open guy. I just feel like, and also, it's a clutch factor too. On third downs, oh my gosh. He <laughs> was absolutely amazing. So for, for him to be able to make those clutch throws, make convert on third down, because that's what that's the clutch factor that teams look for in the NFL. Like, hey, what can you do when we need you to make a throw? When everybody knows that you're throwing in that in, in that stadium, and like you got to get that first down to be able to continue to sustain a drive. So we just saw that time and time again from Carson Beck, and I feel like he is more than well on his way to playing on the next day, not on Saturdays, but playing on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And and I like that thought. And we'll talk a little bit more about that third down conversion rate and how effective this entire Bulldogs offense has been on third down this entire season. But yeah, like you said, and I love, you know, it's great to have flash. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was pretty cool to have Dylan Bell toss a ball and also catch balls as well. But I also like it when you do just the and when I say basic, I certainly don't mean to minimize what Georgia was able to do. But maybe I'll use the word Brent efficiency. Because when you look in the numbers and you see 24 of 30 for 298 yards for Carson Beck's day, and you're averaging almost 10 yards per per throw, three touchdowns on the day, 93.1 uh, quarterback rating, what that also tells me is this. Yeah, when we get to third down, we're 9 of 13, but we're almost – but every time I throw the ball, I'm pretty much averaging a first down. I think yeah. that's also incredible when you dig into the numbers a little bit to not just see that it's like a flashy offense, but also an efficient offense that we can drive this ball down the, the field with our short tosses, with our tosses down the field, however we need to get it done, whatever defense you throw at us, we can do that. He's playing the position. And by saying not by what I mean there, pre-snap, post-snap, execution, footwork, accuracy, all these little things that, quarterbacks go and drill to the nth degree with the private coaches and, and work on, he's doing those things better than anyone in the country. Bar none. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love, and it's interesting because I was listening to a conversation earlier today. Right. And don't get me wrong. Totally understand it. Jarvis, the conversation was, yep, we're down to Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix. And I was just chuckling to myself and I go, yep, 
once again, there's a Georgia quarterback that's quietly doing damage, quietly doing damage and not, you know, sort of in that conversation. Don't get me wrong. Certainly have seen what Daniels has done and seen what Knicks has been able to do this entire season. And it is mind blowing what Jay Daniels can do. So I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm just saying it's still rather interesting to me that Carson Beck just continues to get better and better and better. And not, but not is maybe almost like a secret weapon for the dogs offense, if I dare say that. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of funny, right? Because, you know, Kirby Smart has built this empire down there in Athens. And just from a talent standpoint, just stack guys and, you know, guys go on to the NFL and get drafted and they just continue just filling those same roles with guys who potentially going to go to the NFL and, right, uh, right. and get drafted. So it's just like, I think that, you know, that's why I feel like Carson Beck is probably not getting the benefit of the doubt nationally because they are yeah. the best team. You know, you can just put in, plug in any old quarterback in, and they'll do the same thing. I don't necessarily believe that because this offense looks different than it did last year, right, with, with, with Ty Monk and Stetson Bennett at the helm. Because I really feel like this offense is opened up a little bit more. They're able, they're a little bit more versatile as far as throwing the football down the field outside the numbers, right? Because we know Stetson Bennett had a few limitations with that, and we know how he operated. Because that's why you saw a lot of twelve personnel throwing the ball to the tight ends and getting Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers getting getting those guys involved last year. So now I feel like like Mike Bobo just has just limitless as to what he could do with this offense because of Carson Beck and, and his arm strength and the accuracy and, and the rapport that he has with his wide receivers. So I feel like the national people need to start paying a little bit more attention to what Carson Beck is actually doing and kind of, I know it's hard to do and not pay attention to all the NFL talent that's around, that he's surrounded by. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I get Jaden Daniels. I understand that. You know, and, and, and what Bo Nix is doing, you know, he's been in college for like 12 years. So I get, you know, the experience yeah, he, he that he should be has. doing that by now, right? <laughs> it seems like he's been in college for a decade. You know, he's close. <laughs> but but I think the way Carson Beck has been playing, he definitely deserves at least an invitation to New York. And Brett, I don't want to not talk about the other side of the ball, because here's the thing, too. You get this type of gauntlet. You get to run through teams like, and two two of which are, are top-ranked teams. You get to run through them, and yeah, pun intended, because you also have a complimentary run game to what you're getting from Carson Beck. And going back to what JD just said, you can get that from just about any back as well, because they're almost at a point of plug and play for RBU at this point, Brent. Yes, it is, and like it's complimentary football, and that's what they want. It's defense, offense, pace with which they play. All of it complements each other. It's it's truly a sight to see, I think, in terms of just a, an appreciation of the game of football and how it's won at the highest level. They're doing it obviously better than anyone in the country. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's the key, the critical point there. And it's interesting because we, and we've talked about it on the show as well uh, in previous episodes, even special teams is on one. Like that's when you know that you're operating on all cylinders. When return all year. That is crazy. Like it, <laughs> that it, is I mean, that's when you know you're you're operating on all cylinders when we're not having a conversation saying, but but if they could only flip the field or but like you said, if they can only no, we're not having that conversation about them. So I think that's also an appreciation that we have for this team playing in its totality at the highest level. And we're gonna talk a little bit about 
as we always do about their identity. Uh, we talk next up and we'll of course go between the hedges in a minute, but first I wanna tell you guys a little bit about LinkedIn. So think about this. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager, especially for a small business. You wanna be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you should check out LinkedIn Jobs. It helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it really easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs the number one source in delivering quality hires versus its leading competitors. So here's the thing. LinkedIn Jobs can help you find these qualified candidates that you want to talk to also even faster than their competitors. You post a job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. And of course, terms and conditions do apply. All right, guys, time to go between the hedges. With the win against Tennessee, Georgia became the first team to go unbeaten in the SEC three years in a row since the league went into an eight game schedule back in 1992. Now Jarvis, that is definitely impressive, but was this 38 to 10 win against Tennessee, the most impressive win of the season for the dogs? I don't know if I can necessarily say that because I really feel like, you know, coming, coming into that, that Missouri game, that was kind of like a game where, you know, coming into, you know, that they gave you trouble last year, but you were able to, you know, get, Put you know, put the naysayers down, like because like like Brent mentioned earlier, you talked about the the gauntlet that they went through because it was you know they, there's a Mizzou and then you got Ole Miss and then you got Tennessee. You know those guys were all ranked coming into those games. So right. when you think about that aspect of it, like, I feel like that first game was the quote unquote test, if you want to put it out mm -hmm. there like that. But I just I, I really so I can't say Tennessee with this game because I knew we knew that you know George was going to win this game and I feel like that first play of the game when Jalen broke that ball what was it, a seventy five yard or seventy five yard touchdown it was kind of like all right yeah we're kind of used to seeing this you know they're gonna make some adjustments and and that's exactly what they did and then they just went I think it went on for like nine yards or or, or, or on six carries or something like that for the rest of the game it's just like. Man, this is what they do. I and I think that, you know, Kirby Smart for him to be able to get these guys prepared and come out and be so consistent on a weekly basis. I'm just like, I just don't understand how he does it. But but yeah, I can't call that game with the biggest game of the win of uh, biggest win of the year. Which one was the most impressive one for you, if not the the Tennessee win? I would probably have to say it probably say that Kentucky game because that came that game came in with a lot of hype and I think that you know when I know I know Brandon's hug really? yeah. I, I have a different answer I have a different answer <laughs> oh no problem no problem no problem but I I just think that you know coming into the, the game against Kentucky I really feel like that was kind of like a coming out game for Carson Beck you know he threw for four touchdowns I I really feel like because. I know I was questioning Carson Beck at the beginning of the year. And then when you start to ramp up, you start to see what they're doing. And then when you see him coming into that Kentucky game and, and the play the way he did, I really felt like, okay, that was kind of like the most impressive just from a – because I understand, like, that was the biggest question coming to this year, the quarterback. So if the quarterback is showing you that, hey, I can go in here against a ranked opponent 
and establish myself and have a hell of a game, that's those are the type of games that I look at and say, you know what? Hey, he's arrived. And then because we already know everything else is going to fall into place. It's sure. just all about the quarterback. Yeah. And Brent, you can go down. I'm going to you know, use your word because I think it's spot on. You can go down them running the gauntlet, whether that's the Kentucky game. 51 to 13 or whether that is and I, I use Florida only because not that they're any good, but just because it's always one of those games where it's a pseudo rivalry and you just kind of never know what crazy things happen in a rivalry game. Or is it Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee? I mean, which one of those games do you step back and say now that was the most impressive of the season? It's Ole Miss. Like that game to me is the most just from and all phases of the game and just dominating the opponent. It's Ole Miss because after the first quarter, they had nothing. You dominate. You did whatever you want. You almost 10 yards of play offensively. And that team still had a lot to play for. Like they, you know, they were ninth at the time, one loss, thinking, you know, potentially New Year's six with the way their schedule finished up. Mm -hmm. Like they could have finished the season 11 and one with their only loss being Alabama. Like that's a, that would have, that was a, they were playing for everything. Like Tennessee had art, the East was salted away. Like they were kind of not necessarily having everything on the line. They were trying to be spoiler, right? right? Ole Miss had everything to play for. And they got absolutely curb stopped. Yeah. And I love the fact that we actually have so I know, right? I'm like, Brent's on one with the words today. He's killing it. I'm loving, I'm loving the analogies and, and the, the wordplay. But yeah, the, the thing you gotta love about it is that you can actually have a debate, a healthy debate on which game was the most impressive for the dogs this season because there are that many impressive performances. Now, want to go back to something that you guys talked about in the first segment as well, and that's the amazing efficiency with which Georgia approaches third downs, converted nine of 13 tries on third down against Tennessee. And also, of course, on the defensive side of the ball, held them to just two of 11 tries. Georgia, of course, is ranked number one in the country in third down conversions at 58.06%. That is crazy to think about. Almost, it's like saying, hey, every six times we have to line up for a third down, we're about to move chains. I just think that's unbelievable. But I think to myself, you know, Brent, and the reason I say low key is because there are so many things that they do well. Some things kind of get lost in the shuffle, but is this ability to move the chains no matter where they are on third down? Is that maybe one of the secret weapons for this offense? From the complimentary football perspective? Yes, 100%. Because you keep your offense on the field, your defense is able to rest, your defense is able to think about what it is they have to do moving forward. But the biggest thing with it is, it's combination of quarterback and offensive coordinator, like offensive coordinator, putting the quarterback in a position to succeed on third down. And, and you think about the fumble exchange that Beck had. And then I think maybe one holding penalty that they were by, truly behind the sticks in that game against Tennessee. That's rare. Yeah. Like they, for the most part, it's, if it, it's not third and 15, you know, they had a third and 12 that they completed a bell. That was after I think a hold as well, but you know, it's not, long distance it's third and six third and seven for the most part so it's manageable and then you got a quarterback who's playing the game mentally pre-snap and then executing it post-snap accurately accurately with the football yeah and, and that does all like you said just put you in a position where down and distance is your friend versus your enemy Jarvis because most of the time you are coming into a situation where if you actually have to get the third down to convert it's third and short so yeah it's it's a weapon in that, A, you, you don't get there that often, but B, when you get there, you absolutely have not just the players to get you to get the chains to, to move, but you also have an offensive coordinator who can see what is going on on the field. He can look at what the defense has been dialed, what the DC or the opponent's been dialing up and say, yeah, 
here's the, the way for us to move the chains and get to you know the next set of downs if not just let's just go ahead and blow this thing out and just score right here and think about manageable third downs is the fact that when you anytime you give a in those critical situations anytime you give an offense a two-way go meaning where they can run or pass in those third and shorts and third and mediums that that is scary <laughs> especially when you got you got a guy like Mike Bobo calling plays and, and Carson Beck up under center. So I, I think that, you know, it, it's just advantage Georgia in every situation, every time you get into those situations, because like defenses are, you know, there are so many things that offense throw at defenses nowadays, like with, with, with hurry up, you know, Tennessee wanted to, you know, get into, you know, um, a, a, a pace, you know, a fast up, up, a pace. On, you know, when it comes to being on offense, they want to call plays and get them in and get them out and everything like that. And I think that you know, I think Brent makes get a really good point because up in point when you talk about complimentary football, because Tennessee doesn't play complimentary football because Hypo wants to get in there and call plays and everything. And then you doing three and out and shoot a, a minute and you off the field and your defense right. is right back on the field. So yeah, like. Defensive uh, head, head-minded head coaches, they aren't going for that. <laughs> so, you know, that's why Josh, a guy like Josh Heupel, you know, he's off offensive play caller, quarterback. So he doesn't really, you know, let me not say care. He doesn't prioritize <laughs> the defense. Good work. You know, Good work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He doesn't prioritize it. So, and you saw the, the, the consequences of that in this game because they continue to stay on the field. You know, Georgia can continue to convert those third downs, and, and it's just a bad situation when two twofold, right? Because one, like you got the you got a two-way go when when you're in the third and shorts, third and medium, so you stand ahead of the change. And then the secondly, the t- the team the team is doesn't really care about their defense being on the field uh, uh, consistently because they aren't sustaining drives and and the doggone drives are like one minute and two minute long, two minutes long. So it's just. It was just really cool to see how that played out because, like I said, I understand why Kirby Smart wants to play that way and because it just benefits everyone. And for them to be able to do what they did on Saturday against Tennessee, it's just it's just what we're used to seeing. It's yeah. just what we're used to seeing. Oh, yeah. And when you're when you're a time of possession, and it's funny because I was watching the game. I was, uh, wasn't home at the time, so I'm, like, watching the game wherever I was watching the game, it's that story, but watching the game and I'm like, like 41 minutes, I was doing what I was doing. I was watching the game too, because I knew we were going to be talking about it, but 41 <laughs> minutes time of possession. I mean, that is crazy, but that speaks to, we're going to dominate. And if you're going to try to do, and I'm going to put it in quotes because we know that uh, Lane Kiffin was probably more about that exotic offense life, you know, than maybe Josh Michael. But anyway, if you're trying to do up-tempo and trying to use that to kind of uh, throw the the dog's defense off, but you're literally getting three and outs, and the offense is like, thank you, thank you very much for getting it back because we've got a compliment. We play complimentary ball. We can stay on this field for 41 minutes. And for the 19 that you're on the field, we're actually going to smoke you with the exception of that one play that, you know, Everybody kind of talked about until things died down. And that was, of course, the one you guys referenced with Jalen Wright going 75 yards for a touchdown on the ball's very first snap. But, okay, great. You know, Brent, that made it six straight games, and Georgia's opponents have scored on that opening drive. But you cannot knock the fact that the defense then held them to three points. 
the rest of the way. So are you more concerned about the fact that the defense gave up that score yet again on the first drive, or are you more confident in the fact that that same defense also held them to three points the rest of the way? Would only be concerned if it continued, and it just doesn't. Yeah. So Now, Period. can someone continue it? Yes. But then also they might stop Georgia Tech or stop Alabama on the first drive and be – the offense be looking around like, wait, what? We're usually down 7-0 here. Come on. What's what's the deal? <laughs> a little uncomfortable. Like that's right. so comfortable. It's so so consistent, right? We're like, wait a minute, hold on now. We used to being down and yeah. the score, and then right, and then used to trying out and get <laughs> ready to score, right? As an answer. Yeah. And yeah. and the thing about it is to kind of extend uh, an extension of what you're saying, Brent, is you'd be concerned if they continue to because hey, we're kind of almost accustomed to seven points on that first drive. If you go seven points on that second and maybe third drive, then we need to start being a little bit more concerned about what the defense is able to do, right? Or not do in that case. So yep. listen, we'll talk next up in a second. But first, let's talk prize picks and your chance to connect with Jarvis on subtext. Listen up, guys. Jarvis Davis here for prize picks. Let me tell you, prize picks is the Biggest, biggest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Yes, that's it. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah, if you haven't gone to the prize picks, I need you to go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college because it's just you against the numbers. None of that sharks and all these pro pro guys that have been doing daily fantasy sports for the past 50 years. I don't even think fantasy sports been going on for 50 years, but you know, hey, y'all follow me here. Y'all get the, I get the drill. So all you gotta do is pick more and less. Then on a two six player stat projection and catch the winnings roll in. Watch them roll in. That's all you have to do. So Private Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy, folks. I'm telling you, this is not going on anywhere else but prize picks. So I want you to go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on college and, and check out prize picks because they make daily, daily fantasy sports easy. Also, guys, I want to tell you also about becoming a locked on sports Atlanta insider. What is that, Jarvis? A locked on sports Atlanta insider is hey, you go on to joinsubtext.com slash locked on sports Atlanta and you can. Join, become a Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider. All you got to do is start the free trial. It's a free trial for two weeks. If you don't like it, you can stick. You can get on. Or if you do like it, you can stick around because it got some really cool stuff. You know, as far as you know, all twenty-two review, all of that stuff. We got that right there waiting just for you. So it's a really cool thing that I'm trying out. Make sure you guys check it out. And hey, see if you like it. And if you do, go ahead and become a Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider today. All right. Time for good old-fashioned hate on the flats this Saturday. Georgia brings it up from Athens all the way down here to the A to take on Georgia Tech in the final regular game of the season. Now, I will say this. Let's give Georgia Tech some credit because essentially they are a different kind of Georgia Tech team than maybe the ones that the dogs have faced in recent years. Hey, Brent, I say that with all seriousness. We already know Georgia's going to win. But the question becomes, how competitive do you expect Georgia Tech to be in this game? I think it would be much like the year ago. I mean, they were very competitive in the first half. It could have, And it could have been worse, actually, because 
Uh, Georgia Tech just missed a few plays. You had a drop early in the game. But the biggest difference now, both especially with Key as the head coach now and then also offensive coordinator uh, Buster Faulkner moving over from Georgia there is competence. Like they are a competent football team now. If you yeah. if you give them opportunities, they can take advantage of them. And given that, and given the you know the semi, I guess you could say rivalry part of this game or nature of the game, you never know. But yes, I expect it to be a lot like last year, where they, it is competitive and they they do do some things to Georgia because of how well they know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the end, talent will win out. Indeed. And Jarvis, you can say not just competent, but confident too. You have a, a Georgia Tech bunch that's really confident. They're going to a bowl game for the first time in five years. So they're kind of walking, you know, a little bit like proud peacocks here. So yeah, do you expect them to be competitive as well? Absolutely. Because when you think about, I actually got a chance to check out the game against Syracuse last week, the game that actually became bowl eligible. And like guys that just stood out, Jamal Haynes, like yeah. the dude is yeah. a talent. Like the guy has talent. He's explosive. Like he was just making Syracuse look like they were just standing, standing in mud, right? You know, and for for, for them to we're just not used to seeing that at Georgia Tech, right? Because you know Jeff Collins with all the hoopla and all of the promotions and commercials and all the. Endorsement deals, no substance, no substance, all style, style, kind of style, but (laughs) but no substance, like Brent said. Like, you know, because at the end of the day, it's all about football. I get the whole promotional thing, you want to get the kids excited about the program, but at the end of the day, can't I learn something from you? That's the biggest selling point. And we've seen how guys come into Georgia, they get better. You know, like guys get max, them talent get maximized in, in, in college, and they're able to, you know, get to a certain level where they can go to the NFL as well. So that's what mm-hmm. guys want. Cosplayers they want to be taught, and I think that you know Brent Key is doing that, and also with Haynes King, the transfer portal quarterback from Texas A&M, he's mm-hmm. leading the ACC in tw- with, with 26 touchdowns. Like, who thought that? Like after watching, you know, Georgia Tech's offense being run out there these past few years, it's just like they just. They didn't look confident. They didn't look capable. I'll throw another C word out there for you, Brent. Capable. They look right. capable on offense. They Buster Faulkner has come in there and established a system where they were averaging, what, 17 points last year? Now they're averaging 31 points? That is a big jump. So it just lets you know that, hey, you know, Brent Key has brought in the right guys. He's, he has a very capable uh, coaching staff. And, yeah, Georgia, I'm not saying Georgia's going to lose. I'm definitely not saying that. But they better dog gonna be ready for that first punch because Brent Key, they're gonna have they're gonna be ready to throw that first punch, and that George is gonna have to be ready to respond. Yeah, and some some of what his staff understands as well is it doesn't it's the the style is not gonna work. That's not really what's going to bring in more of those three star, four star, and dare I say probably every now and again a five star recruit. But it's what you actually do on the field, and he started that. Last year, when you saw, like Brent said, in that first half, at least against Georgia, they were competitive. And then a ranked uh, number 13 North Carolina team, you beat them. So when you think that's those are the statements that Georgia Tech started to make last season to say, hey, this is going to be a different Jackets team come next season. And we're kind of seeing that. And even Kirby Smart, he was asked about their identity and he said, hey, it's tough. It's physical. It's fast. That's what they see in Tech's identity. What do you guys see as Tech's identity? I think it's the same word, competent. Like, it, it, I don't like they actually look like a football team now. Like, <laughs> and you can watch them and see, like, all right, they got chances. They get, they can do things. They can hurt people. They can 
take advantage of mismatches. They can create mismatches. Like mm -hmm. that's that's who they are now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's not something we've seen in the past at all, to be honest. No. No. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing to see because to be honest with you, I grew up like really liking Georgia Tech. Like, you know, we're from Atlanta, so you know, I, I never was a the biggest fan of Georgia, but like you said, it's hard not to be a fan because of what they do on the field. And I think that that's the draw. That's the draw, like playing really good football. And yeah. I think that Brent Key has gotten off to a really good start as far as like you're saying, being being competent, capable, having talent. That looks like they belong in a power five school. Like I, yeah. we've seen that. You've seen that this year, and I think that that's going to be something they're going to be able to be able to build off on in the next couple of years. Yeah, because I can't tell you deep into November that I thought we were going to be talking about a Brent Keys jacket team. I thought we'd be talking about a Damon Stoudemire jacket team, but not a Brent Keys that uh, team at this point in, in November. Now, the other thing is, if we go back to our identity, because we always talk Georgia's identity before we wrap the show. And going into week 12, Oscar Delp said, that's actually Georgia's identity too. Quote, he says, we just want to be a physical, tough team that goes in there every game and makes the other team quit. What do you guys say about your word for Georgia's identity this week? Professional. Slap him on the lips. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> the professional Slap him on the lips. Like Douglas. Slap him <laughs> on the lips. Like, they're going to eat that first punch. They're going to eat that first punch, and then they're going to make adjustments and they just going to move. They just going to move like ain't nothing happened. It's like, wait a minute. I thought he punched me in the mouth. Oh, we up uh, we up by 25 now. Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> let's let's go and get this win and get up out of here. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. like they're going to take your best punch and eventually dominate you. I mean, it's just that's what it is. Yeah, it's like another day at the office for them. Yes. Every game. And so, yeah, you got to love the, the professionalism. I think that's a great word. And then, guys, of course, we know we're a couple days away from Thanksgiving. So, Brent, what are you thankful for going into this Thanksgiving holiday? Today, I never take today for granted. Today is a great day. Uh, faith, family, and then the fact that we get to talk about this great game. Football is awesome. I love football, and we get to talk about it. Yeah, it, indeed. How about you, Jarvis? Yeah. Oh, I'm also thankful for family, you know, like faith. You know, and just being being here in football. You know, I'm, I'm thankful yeah. for you guys because you guys, you know, put up my stuff and <laughs> on every Tuesday, you know, talk about the Bulldogs and my silliness. So yeah, I appreciate you guys and I appreciate you know everybody that you know check us out on a, on a daily basis, our everyday yeah. right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. So yeah, I'm thankful for a lot. So yeah, a lot to be thankful for, and hey, hopefully I can match it up with some food on Thursday. Yeah. Oh, I have no, no problem there. No problem. Yeah, exactly. Like that's yes. a given. I, I can literally take care of that business. Right. Yes. I'm texting and uh, calling with my aunt, texting and talking with my aunt yesterday and this morning because, of course, I'll be going back to New Orleans uh, tomorrow. And you guys know we were already strategizing, like, who's going to be responsible for what and what times the food going to be prepared because it's such a big deal. Like, you know, food is the central part of our lives in Louisiana. <laughs> so That's we true. had to strategize about that. But to you guys' point, so is football. So we had to talk about the games we were going to watch and kind of what we thought about that as well. So, yeah, just it, it's a blessing to be here. So I got to go with you guys as well with faith and family. You know, you can't take that for granted because not everybody is in a position to be able to hug on their loved ones and, and be around them for the holiday. But, yeah, I mean, we get paid to talk football. What the heck? Like we are living, yeah, we are living our indeed best lives. So yeah, we're we're very thankful for that. And like you guys said, thankful that every time we ask you to like and subscribe on our YouTube channel, you actually do it. 
But in case you haven't, that would be something that would make us thankful going into Thanksgiving as well. So as always, we thank you guys for stopping by the Atlanta football party because it is the best Georgia Bulldogs football talk. And don't forget, come back tonight because hopefully on our Hawks postcast, we'll be able to talk about a win for the Hawks as well. You guys have a safe and fun Thanksgiving and football filled Thanksgiving too. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.